Great singing, everybody. I hope that as we go into the new year here, you can uh, truly say that it is well with your soul because of Jesus Christ and his uh, sacrifice on the cross to save sinners like ourselves. And that message of the gospel is our hope of salvation. And as we go into this new year, let us not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Uh, remaining steadfast and immovable in it. And of course, we remember the, what the gospel is, the message of the gospel, is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen alive. That's the message of the gospel. That's what the good news is. Jesus did all that to save sinners. He didn't come to, you know, um, help God out or help himself out in some way. He came into this world to save sinners. And as we saw last Sunday night on uh, Christmas Eve, we saw that um, the Apostle Paul says there, of whom I am chief. How do you view yourself this morning? Do you view yourself as a sinner who needs salvation through Christ? Or do you view yourself as a sinner who has been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ? You're either you're in one of the other account. You're either a count. You're in the, a sinner who is who's not been saved, who's not believed, or you're a sinner who has been saved. And through the grace of God, you've been made, made a saint to God through the gospel. So it is always my privilege to remind you of that gospel, which we desperately need every single day of our lives. And Dennis, can y'all turn me up just a little bit back there, please? All right, so as we go into this new year, um, you know, this is a good time for like a spiritual checkup, or really a checkup in a lot of different ways. You might think about your Bible reading, or speaking of Bible reading, you all have your cell phones with you this morning? Do what? Really, what does it say? Okay, good, good, good job. So you, everybody in here, uh, probably if you're on our directory list, if you're a visitor or a member, you just received a text message. And as we did last year, we'll be sending out text messages every uh, Sunday, a little later than what we sent it out today. But honestly, I set y'all up today for this, okay? Um, <laughs> but you have a memory verse in here, and the first one is Psalm 1-1. And then following that, you have the uh, Bible reading plan. The Bible reading plan is the McShane, who was a Scottish preacher, uh, who he put, about, uh, put together long ago. But it's a, a great Bible reading plan. It takes you through the whole Bible one time. And then it will also take you through the Psalms and the New Testament twice. All right? So if you follow this plan, and it's really a pretty easy one. Easy one. This is one that I'm planning on doing this year. Like uh, this week's reading is Genesis 1 through 6. Then you got Matthew 1 through 6. Ezra 1 through 6, and Acts 1 through 6. So that's 24 chapters that will be read this week uh, as we begin our reading plan. That's what I'm going to do, and maybe some of you will join in that with me. But this is a pretty easy one. If you think about it, you could read six chapters of Genesis on Monday. Matthew, you could read six chapters on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, six chapters in Ezra. And then in Acts, you could read six chapters on Thursday. And 
you've still got uh, three days left in the week where you can read other things uh, in Scripture and study on passages of Scripture if you want to. This is a pretty easy plan. There's really no excuse for any of us not to be able to do something. You might be wanting to read through the New Testament. You might be re- wanting to read through the Old Testament. There are tons of plans out there. All you got to do is Google it. We Google everything else. You can Google that, and you can find a plan that's suitable for your needs and what you can do. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So we need to have a plan as we go into the new year, and I hope that you do. I hope you were successful with last year's Bible reading plan, and I hope you're going into this year geared up, ready to read God's Word. So it's a good time for a spiritual checkup, our prayer life, Bible reading, service, in the church, giving, etc. There's lots of different ways in which we can view our lives and really take this time as a time of examination as we go into January 1. There are other areas as well. You know, we can look at our marriages if you're married and um, see the health of the marriage. Is it slipping back from what it used to be? Is the love and laughter uh, not there like it used to be? Is there more lying to one another? You're not telling the truth and being honest with one another? Is there more of that going on and less loving and laughter uh, in the relationship? Really, the lordship of Christ in the marriage, it's a great time to examine that. Our own personal health, you might need to take some time to look at your own health and see if there's something that you need to do there. You know, I hold pretty tightly to what Paul told Timothy, bodily exercise profiteth little. And I even threw that out there in the King James Version. But <laughs> it profits little, but it does profit something. And, um, but godliness is profitable for all things in this life and in the one to come. So our health, um, stewardship, our res- the responsibility we're taking for the things that the Lord has given to us, whether it be our family, our homes, our finances, Whatever it might be, our stewardship. Parents, this is a good time for us to t- take a step back and look at how are we doing parenting our children. Have we slipped back in some areas where we need to tighten up, where we need to go back to some uh, basic teachings of Scripture as we parent our children and seek to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Our work ethic maybe on our jobs has slipped, and we need to take a look at that. If you're a student, perhaps your grades have slipped, and you need to spend some time tightening up there and focusing on that. All of these different areas are ways in which we as Christians can live in an honorable way to please the Lord and to really walk worthy of the gospel, because that's what it boils down to in all of our lives As we live out our lives as Christians, we want to walk worthy of the gospel. We want to walk worthy of the calling by which we've been called. We want to walk worthy of the kingdom of God. We see all those things in Scripture. Today, we're going to take a little bit of time looking at a few passages of Scripture to hopefully help us to, um, you know, consider our ways, to think about what we're doing. And if I were to entitle this message, I would probably entitle it something like this, Why Not Now? Why not now uh, examine ourselves? Why not now consider our ways and make ourselves right with the Lord in areas where we need to do that? But let's, before we get into it, let's pray together. Lord God, I give you thanks for your word. and Father, that through your truth, you are, are sanctifying your church. We know that the Lord Jesus even prayed this in the high priestly prayer. 
Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And I ask you, Father, today that as we here in the church have the responsibility of uh, holding forth the word of truth, for being a foundation for the truth. God, may we do that today. May I do that today in the time that I have to proclaim your word. And uh, Lord, may your truth today through the power of the gospel in our lives just continue to sanctify us and edify us. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that gospel which we are able to proclaim. And uh, Lord, without it, we would have nothing. We would be able to enjoy nothing. But thank you through Christ that we can. Bless us now in this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you just to start turning with me to some places. We're going to start, um, so this is, I'm doing this this last week and this week a little different than what we will normally do in an exposition. But I want to ask you to turn to Psalm chapter 90 uh, and find verse 7. Psalm 90, uh, this uh, is entitled, though it's not an inspired title, but it's, it says, The Eternity of God and Man's Frailty. I want to give you some passages here to begin with to keep in mind as we uh, head into this new year. Psalm 90, verse 7. The word of the Lord says, We have been, we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we, were, we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. And then in verse 12. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What a wonderful verse. Teach us to number our days. We see in the verses prior to this that our days are limited. They are they are, they are limited, and we need to number our days, and we need the Lord to help us, to teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom, that we may know how to use our days to the very best of our ability. Let me see if I can find something here. Hartzell Wilson uh, had a, said this, and it's something that Paul Bear Bryant often went back to, and he said this about a day. He said, this is the beginning of a new day. God has given this day to use as I will. I can waste it or use it for good. What I do today is very important because I am exchanging a day of my life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving something in its place I have traded for it. I want it to be gain and not a loss, good, not evil, success, not failure, in order that I shall not regret the price that I paid for it. The Lord, teach us to number our days. 
Another passage I'd like to ask you to turn to is in the book of Lamentations. If you would turn to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40. I can't spend a lot of time giving you the context of Lamentations, but it is the, I guess I can do it pretty simply, it's after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586. Jeremiah is writing, and here in the middle of Lamentations, which is the zenith of the book, he writes here in verse 40, and remember, this is after great loss and great destruction. In verse 40, he says, Let us search out. Sorry, I still hear some pages turning. I'll give you all another second. Lamentations 3, verse 40. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. As we begin this new year, there might be places in your life where you need to search it out and turn back to the Lord. Now, next, I know I'm having y'all turn to some hard places. The book of Haggai, chapter 1. Haggai, chapter 1. We were here last week in Haggai, chapter 2. I want to spend just a little bit of time in Haggai chapter 1. Again, if you find difficulty locating these books, don't be ashamed to turn to the table of contents, find the book of Haggai, which is one of the minor prophets, and then the page number that's corresponding to it, and then just turn to that in the uh, Old Testament, and there you'll have the book of Haggai chapter 1. All right? Now, as we look at Haggai chapter 1, if you'll notice with me verse 5 and then verse 7. Here's what he says. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. In the New King James Version, it has an exclamation mark at the end of it. Consider your ways. And then you go down to verse 7. He says again, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What you have here in Haggai chapter 1 is a bad case of complacency. The people had if you would, been ensnared by complacency. Uh, Complacency can plague us at times. Maybe there's been times in your life where complacency has plagued you. What is complacency? And I was wondering, what's the difference between complacency and um, contentment? To try to boil it down, there's a couple of passages of Scripture we could look at, but we, we won't turn there in Isaiah Uh, chapter 32 but it talks about uh, women there who had been caught in complacency and it uses the word ease going along with it they are at ease in the book of Amos you might see that the people of Israel were at ease in Zion they were just kind of taking it easy and that's what complacency really is it's you come to a place in life where you're no longer striving you're no longer trying to press forward and you're just at a place of ease you've grown complacent with where you are no longer trying to grow. Um, Now, what's the difference in contentment and complacency? Contentment is you're striving, you're still reaching forward, you're still pressing forward. You've only reached a certain degree and you are content. You are um, satisfied with where the Lord has you, yet you are still trying to press forward. You see, the difference is one has stopped trying to move forward. The other has gotten to a place and continues to press forward. There's a difference in complacency and contentment. Here in Haggai, they've grown complacent. Let's look at the context here. If you'll look back at verse 1. 
Haggai 1. And there are some Bibles uh, in the pews there in the seats if anybody needs one. Some of the black books that are in there, um, there's uh, Bibles there. If you don't have one with you, you need one this morning. In Haggai 1 verse 1, it says, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Uh, what's, what's going on here? You might remember that last week. We talked about uh, this context and how these people had returned from captivity. They had been taken to Babylon, or they are the offspring of those who had been taken to Babylon. And they were taken there around 586, uh, either in 605, 597, or 586, taken there. They had dwelt there for 70 years. And now at the end of that 70 years, King Cyrus, king of Persia, had sent the people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. You can find that at the beginning of Ezra, chapter 1, or you can find it at the end of Second Chronicles. King Cyrus did that. God raised King Cyrus up to do that. All right, so these people had returned. They had laid the foundation of the temple, and after the foundation of the temple was laid, they began to receive trouble from outsiders. They began to be persecuted a little bit. They began to be talked about and maligned by those who are outside and threatened by them. So what did they do? They backed off. And those people who were threatening them had even sent letters to uh, other kings in Persia. So this threatening took place. They, they backed off from doing the work and they backed off for about 16 years. So the foundation of the temple was laid, the walls were not constructed, the building was not built up, but they began to do something. They began to dwell in their own paneled houses. You um, will see this as we continue to read in verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? So that's what was going on. That, and what they began to tell themselves was this. It's not time for the Lord, that the Lord's house should be built. They said that in verse 2. The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So they had grown complacent. They had grown at ease in their walk with God and their following the Lord. They began to do the easy thing. What they were doing did not bring about any persecution. What, what they were doing did not bring about a great deal of trouble in their life. They had stopped really following what God had told them to do. And here's what apparently happened. They began to count up the years. The year when this was happening was around 520. Now, if they did the math and went back to 586, they would say, hey, it hasn't been 70 years yet. And the reason we're having these problems is because it hasn't been 70 years like Jeremiah said it would be. Therefore, we're just not going to build the house of the Lord. All right? So, Haggai's message to them was, consider your ways. Now, check this out with me. I want to try to connect a dot for you. If you take your Bibles and turn to the history books in the, in the Old Testament... 
Turn to the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. And find the fifth chapter. Remember, the minor prophet that we're looking at, and you might want to keep your finger there so you don't have to find that thing again. But Because we're going back there. But you got the book of Haggai. Following Haggai comes who? who? What minor prophet comes after Haggai? Anybody know? Zechariah. Right, you got Haggai and Zechariah. Now, what's the context in which they're um, prophesying? All right, I've already told you the context. Now, if you'll look at Ezra chapter 5. Notice what we see here in verse 1. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Idu, prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. All right? So isn't that something? We find Haggai and Zechariah's names appearing here in Ezra chapter 5. Why? Because this is the point in history in which they prophesied. At this time in the book of Ezra is when these two minor prophets were risen up. They're called post-exilic prophets. They happen, They prophesied after the exile, post-exilic prophets. Now, we'll find their name also over in chapter 6, verse 14, where it says in Ezra 6, 14, So the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Idu. And they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Now, let's go back to Haggai. I just wanted to show that to you real quickly. Consider your ways. In verse 6, as we continue to read in Haggai 1, he says, You've sown much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. That's not a good, there's no satisfaction in any of that in verse 6. Verse 7 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, in verse 10, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land. And the mountains, on the grain, and and the new wine, and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. You know, God's very active in this. God blew away those things which were to profit them. God called for a drought on them. God was very active in this. Why? Because His house was being neglected while the people were running to their own homes. Now in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadar, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, 
as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Verse 13. Then Haggai, I love this, the Lord's messenger spoke the Lord's message to the people. That's appropriate. The Lord's messenger spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord, and I'm not going to read all those names again, but if you see in verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit at the end of the verse there, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Well, to summarize all that, I want to try to summarize it for you in three points. The first one would be this. They were to consider their ways because obedience brings blessing. And if speaking to us today, I would say, let us consider our ways because obedience brings blessings. We have so many things that can cause us to be distracted today in our lives. John Piper has made a quote that says something like this. Facebook and Twitter will stand as witnesses against us in the final day that we did have time to pray. How true that is. If you think about our cell phones and social media, here's what I want to throw out at you. Uh, if you, if you spend one hour a day or if we spend one hour a day on those devices, just, you know, killing time, whatever, Wasting time away. And if you got 365 days in the year, I'm really good at math, as you're going to tell. That's 365 hours that we've wasted in a year. Or that we've, we've given to those things in a year. 365. If you divide 365 by 24, that gives you 15.2. So in other words, that means you got 15.2 days that you've given to those activities in a year's time. If you use one hour a day. 365 days toward those things. 15 days of your year. How many of you would sign up right now saying, I want to devote 15 days of my year to social media? I don't think any of us would do that. But if we're not careful, those are the things that happen if we don't consider our ways. Now, I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't make us lie down in green pastures sometimes. He does. And aren't you thankful for that? Somebody in the congregation said that to me the other day, and I thought, that, that's pretty profound right there. The Lord does make us lie down in green pastures. We do have opportunities for to rest and to just kick back and enjoy life, to lie down in green pastures. But listen, every day of our life ought not to be that way, should it? We ought to be diligent in our service to the Lord. Redeem the time because the days are evil. So those are some things to consider. There's another point that I want to continue, uh, share with you that I don't know where I read this, but man, I, th- I thought this is really profound. Um, someone has said, if you're nursing a grudge, expect to pay big doctor bills. When we go into the new year, let us consider our ways. If we're nursing a grudge in some way, you better know for sure that there's going to be some big doctor bills to pay. Ezekiel chapter 25 talks about the Philistines. And in it, it's talking about the judgment God's bringing on the Philistines. Listen to what he says. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of the old hatred. 
The Philistines then, they destroyed, they hated others, the Israelites most likely in this case, because of an old hatred that they had. And now the Bible says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines and will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. Don't nurse a grudge going into 2024. Forgive and get that right now. Second thing I'd point out to you from this text is consider your ways because the Lord's house matters. That's pretty clear in Haggai chapter 1, isn't it? They were running to their own paneled houses, but the Lord's house was undone. It was unfinished. They weren't worried about it. I want to ask you to look in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. got three passages I want us to go to this morning. In Ephesians 3, because what I want to point out to you is not a physical building here, even though there's always some work that can be done around this physical building here at New Life Baptist Church. Um, But we're much more interested in the spiritual building, the spiritual house that we are, individually and then corporately together as the church. In Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 8 through 11. Y'all got that? If you got it, would you say amen? Ephesians 3 verse 8 says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom... We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Do you see the importance of the church in this passage? I'm going to ask you a question. By what is God making known His manifold wisdom to the spiritual realm, to principalities and powers? By what means is He doing that? If you know it, say it it with confidence. The church. Verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. All right? And that's what we're a part of at New Life Baptist Church is the church of Jesus Christ. Those who've been purchased by His blood, saved through the gospel. There is scarcely anything on this earth that you can be more committed to than the church, the church of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to turn now to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 14 and 15. 
1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. Now, as we consider our ways and we consider that the Lord's house matters, as you look at verse 14, These things I write to you, Paul says to Timothy, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Okay, well, what's the house of God? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Right? So as you look at this verse, this passage, you see again the importance of the church. The, the house of God is the church of the living God. It's the people that have been saved through the gospel. You're a part of that church if you're in Christ. And because we are the church, we are the ones in this world who are holding up the truth as the pillar of the truth. And we're also the foundation of the truth. We, we are in some sense that on which in this world the truth sits. You should be able to go to the church and find the truth of God. Why should you be able to find it at the church? Because the church opens up this book and proclaims, thus says the Lord. That's why you can find the truth at the church. So we're a part of that. The Lord's house matters. And then the last passage I would have you to turn to in regard to this is Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I again want to show you the importance of our being together. I want to show you the importance of the church. Hebrews 10, verse 24. I'll start at verse 23 and read through 25. Hebrews 10, verse 23. He says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now you notice in verse 24 there that we are to consider one another. We're not thinking about ourselves. We are thinking about others and how we can stir others up to love and to good works. How can I be a benefit to you? You should be thinking how you can be a benefit to others. Let us consider one another. And then in verse 25... Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. At the end, that day there is the day of Christ's return, rightly interpreted. So we are not forsaking the assembling, we're not getting together less. But he says there in verse 25 uh, that we're to do that all the more or so much the more as you see the day approaching. So please think about your own life in the, in the church as a Christian. Is your church attendance increasing or is it decreasing? Do you go to church less to be with the saints or are you going to the church more to be with the saints? Because according to this passage... It should not be getting less. 
If you've made determinations that you're only going certain times, then you need to, in the face of Scripture, consider why are you making that decision? Because it does not say go less. It says go more as we see the day approaching. Why? So we can pad the numbers so that we can say, oh, we had 130 people. We had 140 people. We had 90 people. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about at all. It is is that we may stir one another up. It is that we might consider one another. You're more likely to consider somebody who's standing in front of you than you are somebody that you see very, very seldomly. You see them and you begin to consider them and how you can be a benefit to them. And we want to exhort one another. We want to, just as it says there in verse 25, exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we want this to be happening more and more and more because Christ is indeed returning. Man, one of the songs that we sang earlier, Tanner, I'm terrible about remembering the names of songs. It was the, the refrain. But it says, the snare is broken and we have escaped. Do y'all remember when we did our little study on the devil a few weeks ago? The devil set snares not on unbeaten paths, but on the paths we normally travel. And it could be that as we're right here right now going into this new year, that somebody here is caught in a snare. And today that snare needs to be broken and you need to be escape, you need to escape it. And I, I can tell you, you can escape it by obeying the scriptures. It's just that simple. Ah, right, that was my second point. The last one was this, is this from Haggai 1. Consider your ways because the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Don't worry about writing the points down, all right? It's just, I didn't have any handouts or anything today. Consider your ways because the Lord is with you. And that's what Haggai's message was to him there at the end, or at the end of chapter 1, that the Lord is with you. Things seem to be difficult, but the Lord is with you. The temple's not built like it should have been, but the Lord is with you. You've been disobedient as God's people, but the Lord is with you. Be obedient. The Lord is with you. And in 2 Thessalonians, we saw that Paul ended that letter by saying, The Lord be with you all. In Hebrews 13, the Scripture says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Your life may not be where you want it to be in a lot of different areas or some areas. But if you're a Christian, you can say and you can be content with the fact that Jesus Christ has said He will never leave you nor forsake you. And because of that, you can be content in Him. And that is something that every Christian should be able to say. Now, that's Hebrews 13.5. I need to wrap this thing up. As you think about this new year, there's a lot of different ways in which we could see the Lord being with us. Did you know in Psalm 65 verse 11... The Bible says, you crown the year 
with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. In Deuteronomy 33, 25, uh, he reminded the Israelites, your sandals shall be iron and bronze as your days, so shall your strength be. Who will give us strength for our days in 2024? It would be the Lord because He's with us. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, when we think about going about and working hard as we should and profiting from that as we should, let us have the mind that God told them in Deuteronomy 8, 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. The Israelites had power to get wealth because God gave them power to get wealth. In all of our days, as we go through 2024, and as we consider our ways this, this day, let us look to the Lord. Let us remember who he is. And let us evaluate our own lives in light of our relationship with him. Now, with that, I think uh, we'll wrap this up. For some who maybe do not know Christ, or you are unsure about your relationship with Jesus Christ, there's one more passage I would point you to. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, he says, Examine yourselves. As to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you are disqualified. Brothers and sisters, church, everyone in my hearing. Examine yourselves. Maybe there's things in your life that you're, you're wondering about. You know, am I even really a believer? Am I really even a Christian? It's okay to examine yourself. This scripture actually told the Corinthians to do that. And you should be able to test yourselves and know that Jesus Christ is in you. That that gospel of Christ has made a difference in your life and is continuing to. But listen, along that path it takes repentance. Even as Christians we are continually repenting of sin And we're continuing in a life of repentance toward Christ. So I pray that you will. And if anyone needs to talk about that. About your relationship with the Lord. About getting right in some area. And you need some counsel or help in that area. Me or my brother David or one of these men or women. Godly men or women here. Want to talk to you and help you. Let's pray together. Lord I do thank you for your word from Haggai. Consider your ways. And Lord, we see also that the Lord is with us. Father, as we go into this new year, I pray we will not go into it blindly or being ignorant about our own condition personally. But Father, I do pray with with all my heart that your word would propel us to consider. And I thank you, Lord, so much for the way that you allow us to do that all along. And God, how you worked in us this past year to really glorify your name and in many ways. And I, I thank you for what you are doing, what you have done, and what you're going to do. For any who do not know the Lord, 
I pray, God, today that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ, that one who died for our sins, was buried and rose again, seen alive from the dead. In his name I pray, amen.